cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, uh, today is Indictment Day at 4 p.m. And uh, we're going to find out just what's going on. But, uh, you know, we have some audio clips that we're going to play that are just basically the news in case you didn't hear the news. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just share with you a couple of the... uh, the news clips uh, related to this stuff. All right, so one we have um, we have Griff Jenkins right now giving us the lowdown on this. Um, all right, here's what's going to be happening today. This is the latest report uh, coming out of uh, Fox and Friends. Again, not a big fan of Fox, but they're the only ones really, you know, covering the story. In a, in, a, in a more conservative way. Uh, but here we go. The clock is ticking. A matter of hours. Brian Ainsley and Steve, good morning. And security preparations are getting more and more stringent around this courthouse for the former president's visit, his third indictment in four months. And late last night, Trump taking to his truth social social media to say he's worried about getting a fair trial, writing this. The latest fake case brought by crooked Joe Biden and deranged Jack Smith will hopefully be moved to an impartial venue, such as the politically unbiased nearby state of West Virginia possible to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Now, Trump faces four charges in this indictment, three on conspiracy, one for obstruction. And the man at the center of much of this case, former Vice President Pence, is blasting his former boss and the lawyers who pressured him to refuse to certify the election results. Watch. It wasn't just that they asked for a pause. Uh, the president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of, uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes, to, which would have resulted in, uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives and literally chaos would have ensued. Now, looking ahead to this trial, Trump's former attorney general, Bill Barr, says special counsel Jack Smith has a high bar to meet in prosecuting this case, but agrees it has merit. I think it's a legitimate case. I think, uh, unlike the document case, it's, it's going to have issues of proof. 
it's a more complicated case. They're not attacking his First Amendment right. Uh, he can say whatever he wants, but uh, that does not protect you from entering into a conspiracy. All conspiracies involve speech, and all fraud involves speech. Meanwhile, as Hunter Biden's legal woes worsen, with his plea deal revealing he was paid just under a million by communist China, Washington Post is giving President Joe Biden four Pinocchios for repeatedly claiming his son never received money from China, writing this, quote, nearly three years later, Biden's assertions have been directly rebutted by Hunter himself. In court testimony last week, the younger Biden acknowledged that he, in fact, had been paid substantial sums in China. This as the Washington Post also revealing, guys, that former President President Obama is privately warning Biden that Trump is a more formidable candidate than Democrats realize. In another headline, because I've been up reading all of the papers this morning on this very historical day, the New York Post editorial board writing that literally the Trump indictment brings us closer to the rematch America really doesn't need. The last line, my favorite, they say America needs a campaign centered on the future, not the past, yet the nation ever's, uh, edges ever closer to a Trump-Biden rematch that next to no one wants. Strong words there from the New York Post. Guys, send it back to you. Plenty of time to read the papers out there. So, Griff, can you explain why the judge, the magistrate today, is not the same person who's going to uh, preside over the criminal trial whenever that happens? Well, that's a formality, the way these things happen. And the magistrate judge will hear this first court appearance, which we all believe will likely also be an arraignment. But it will ultimately get to the trial. And there's a lot of attention on that judge. Her name is Tanya Chutkin. She's a 2014 Obama appointee. And she notably has presided over several of the January 6th riot cases and gave, uh, in several cases, uh, some of the harshest sentences of of that. So that's going to get a lot of attention once we get this trial underway. All Steve? Right. Thank you so much, Gruff. Yeah, they're just going to hear charges today. And then if there is an arraignment, it'll be Trump's team's opportunity to enter a plea. On Truth Social, Trump wrote, impossible to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C., which is over 95 percent anti-Trump. Right. He said the indictment is all about election interference. And then he put up a picture of himself pointing like Uncle Sam. And it says on this meme, it says, in reality, they're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in the way. Yep. And uh <laughs> There's so much to unpack there. Uh, the judge is definitely a uh, a political hack. That's to say the least. And uh, yeah, right here. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. Meet Judge Tanya Shuckin, an Obama appointee and the woman who will oversee the newest Trump indictment. She is absolutely the worst case scenario for Trump. She spent 12 years at the law firm Bowie's Schiller, where Hunter Biden was also employed. She has, so, <laughs> can't make it up. She should be recusing herself. But, uh, you know, the West Virginia idea, I hope they could pull that off. She has been uh, very tough on January 6th defendants, including putting four in jail. Uh, even though the DOJ didn't recommend jail time. She sentenced one man to jail who didn't even enter the Capitol. He just took a selfie outside. Is anyone surprised that the DOJ randomly got this judge? So the J6 thing, 
you know, we know Ray Epps was an FBI informant of some sort, at, at, and it, you know, an, an, embed, an embedded um, citizen, and uh, we know that because he's not arrested and he was in, you know, and this woman is not going to do anything to Ray Epps, this Tanya Chuckin. So what they're saying, you know, this whole thing about conspiracy and obstruction, not only did Trump on record say peacefully protest and go home and all kinds of things, Pence is out to lunch and Barr is too with respect to their take on it because we're going to hear um, a clerk for from Gorsuch talk about this in a whole different light here in a minute. But you got to understand that conspiracy is a conversation. It's two people that conspire. It's not a crime to conspire. It's not a c- crime to talk about something. And number one, number two, Trump could make the argument that his attorneys gave him bad advice for whatever reason. And he listened to his legal advice. So that would be a second part. Thirdly, Trump didn't do anything wrong. There was zero crime related to this. And we're going to hear this by a substantial legal mind talk about how none of these are crimes that will be successfully appealed just like Jack Smith always is with respect to his case down in Mar-a-Lago and this other J6 case. And um, he's always overturned. They're overreaching. And not just that, but it's kind of interesting. These indictments were put out in a timely way to steal the media thunder away from the Biden crime family. And they did this so that, you know, that that, uh, there would be a cover for the lamestream media, the corporate paid media, the BlackRock owned media, the globalist run media, who is spewing propaganda like uh, media, a media arm of a third world communist state, which is what the United States has become under globalism. It's one nation under globalism because it's globalists running the show. I put down in my notes here, climate climate is financed by our enemies. But guess who our enemies are? So let's just say the enemies are Russia and China. Who are the benefactors right now of the divide in our country? Who are the benefactors of this division, of this turmoil, this chaos in our country, where our country is being ripped to shreds in the wake of Obama's two-term presidency. So ask yourself the question, what the heck is going on in America? That we have the most nonsensical things that don't exist anywhere else in any other country. Like I said, I was in France, and there was no... Black Lives Matter fists and resist and no uh, reparation BS, no Marxism. It was a, yeah, there is socialism. 
but it was it was the kind of socialism that you would um kind of understand you would disagree with it in a debate yes but they've all agreed in a popular way to pay higher taxes but get something in return and hold the government accountable and make sure the government is transparent those are things that exist in much in a much greater way in for my example france france so so i can definitely tell you that there's a co- complete difference there was not a lot of this tranny stuff this lgbtq stuff and there might be just as many gays in france as there are here and there might be just as many trans as there are here there may be just as ma- there may be but it's just not something that's jammed down your throats so they're not doing trans storytelling they're too sophisticated and stylish to have a bunch of bearded men dressed up like women prancing around your children. They wouldn't have any of that. And I didn't see any of that. And I covered the whole city for 11 days. I didn't, And I paid attention. I mean, I was literally looking for it. And I couldn't, there was nothing there that I could, you know, the only thing I could write about was that that there was none of that compared to what what we're doing in America. At the same time, while I was there, the rainbow flag was at the, uh, hanging from the White House, surrounded by two American flags, and I thought, how disrespectful to the American flag that they got this tranny, Black Lives Matter, Marxist group surrounded by a bunch of rainbows on the White House centered right there i mean it's it's they're political militant groups they're getting paid by ngos to carry out this storm of disinformation and demoralization and who benefits from this do we benefit from this in any way this this ridiculous divisiveness this psyop how about this who do you think benefits from climate? The climate initiative. Who's benefiting from the Paris Agreement or the Trans-Pacific Partnership or the Belt and Road Initiative? Who benefits from that? Well, I can guarantee you it's China. And I can guarantee that. Um, we're going to go ahead and take this call real quick. I think I recognize. Hello. Uh, I, yeah. I don't always express myself well, but I hope I can at this point. Um, I would like to remind everyone that this uh, charade against Trump, Donald Trump right now is a cover-up for a bigger story that they do not want people to know about. It is just like a big curtain being drawn so they, people will forget about COVID, Fauci, the corrupt government that has pushed a deadly uh, jab into our arms, and... They, this is all being hidden behind the smokescreen of the Trump uh, being Trump persecuted, as far as I'm concerned at this point. But I think we have a smokescreen going on that is protecting pharmaceuticals, pharmacy, the government, from what they have done to the public, which is create a murderous situation that has killed millions of people and harmed millions of people. This keeps them out of the court by putting all the focus on Donald Trump. 
Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Fauci's replacement is another Karen, you know, like she's basically a, a real liberal um, Fauci's replacement, handpicked by Fauci. So, you know, it's yeah. this is this has got to stop. You know, you got Fauci, who's the biggest murderer since Hitler, probably beyond Hitler, Pol Pot. Yeah. And uh, and and he's being replaced by another demented liberal that's about as dumb as Janet Yellen, who bows to China. But uh, thank you for calling in on that. I believe you. Oh, I, I agree with you. you. Thank you for allowing me to express my opinion. All thank right. Take, take care. You know, but who's the benefactor of all of this stuff? It's China. It's Russia. And here's how it works. Basically, you know, every time we say no to fossil fuels, Russia is selling more oil. When we close down Keystone and we don't sign new lease agreements, then that benefits Russian oil. And the Paris Agreement benefits China because of the slave labor that they're going to get. They're considered a developing nation under that rule, and they get all the um, they get the, all the manufacturing for the world because they're banning manufacturing in the West, and they're greenlighting manufacturing in the East. And so it's a big, huge joke to think that you're going to clean up climate by redistributing your dirt your pollution from one country to to another. I mean, you know, the same people that talk about one world don't seem to get the concept that if China blows out 4,000 more percent in O2 emissions, CO2 emissions, that it's not going to change the impact if we cut down the net zero, right? It's simple math. It's not like there's a wall up between the air that we breathe and the air that China breathes. Think about it. So what's, the, you know, why are people falling for this? How are people like John Kerry and Al Gore and, and Klaus Schwab getting away with this crazy stuff? It's because of money. And all of the nonprofit organizations that you see on the airwaves, talking about climate, are all paid for by dark money that's been laundered all the way down the list through 1J, just like the Bride and Crime family, LLCs everywhere. Even Ocasio-Cortez got in on the LLC business in her first run for Congress. And remember, there were stories about LLCs swapping money all around. They were amateurs. Biden has 50 years of experience in LLCs and laundering cash. You watch the movie with Eddie Murphy, Distinguished Gentleman. I love that movie. And it's like the crime that goes on. You just open up a foundation or a charity and people send money to your charity and foundation. And you use that money to give a speech through the charity and fly all over the world on private jets and give speeches at country clubs. And it's all gravy money. It's all gravy train stuff. It's all kickbacks and and uh, all kinds of stuff. And I will tell you that the Chinese money, it's not just that Chinese is buying up all of Africa and China is buying up all of our farmland. And they're doing it like we talk, covered yesterday through Smithfield. Smithfield, which merged, merged with the... Uh, 
this investor, Mary, I think his name, name was, and they set up all, they put out all the local small pig farms and meatpacking plants, and they put them all out of business by undercutting them. Not much different than what the Rockefellers did with Standard Oil against other oil competitors, gasoline stations and whatnot. And that's what uh, launched the Sherman Act and antitrust laws. So there is a precedent here, but we're not doing anything about it today. And we can't do anything about it offshore, which is where the true super monopoly belongs, through BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, who own all these multinational corporations, who control all the ad dollars. And so someone was complaining on Twitter. And they were complaining on Twitter, and they basically uh, were saying, here's the new CEO of Twitter, or X, or whatever they want to call it. And this is a woman I follow. Her name's Dr. Lupus. She's from Norway. And she's, uh, you know, anti-globalist. And it turns out that the new CEO of Twitter, she says, this is happening right in front of you. Linda Yacarino is still affiliated with the World Economic Forum. You are watching many truth-tellers having their accounts destroyed here on Twitter, yet many others are still referring to Elon Musk as the savior. What's wrong with you? So, um, basically, Elon Musk, as I said, you know, pulled out of the uh, Trump business panel because Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement, which benefited China, which, you know, was basically instrumental in making um, everything electric and making it on the cheap using slave labor in China. And then uh, Elon Musk also went to the uh, Metropolitan Gala, Met Gala. One year, and he wore a New World Order coat. The guy's all New World Order. But he is doing a lot of things that the mainstream media isn't doing. And so, who knows how much of an impact he's going to have on, you know, a Trump presidency. I don't know. And and I don't trust him as far as I could throw him, as a, what I've always been saying. But I'm hopeful that we're going to get something out of it with a little bit of free speech. I mean, we're asking for crumbs at this point, aren't we? We're happy if we get a crumb. Just a crumb. I mean, think about how we would win in a landslide if we had the media, university, pharmaceutical, healthcare um, apparatuses that the liberals own and control. Think about it. If we controlled Netflix and and we controlled uh, Hollywood... Think about it. If we could control the Department of Education and in, and instill values back into our school systems. I mean, think about that for just a second. If we were not, or if we were the ones dominating the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, um, the Department of, of uh, Energy, secretaries, the, sec- the State Department, um, the Department of Justice, the CIA, and the FBI. Think about it if these were all conservative leaning institutions, how much further along we would be as a country. But instead, we have this radical Marxist thinking, communist thinking group that's infiltrated every aspect of our government, our media, 
our universities, our education, our energy. And we have unelected officials that are controlling through dark money all these different manipulations on a global level to the point where Russia and China already know what the game is. And they are financing groups that are pushing a green agenda and a woke agenda in our country to divide us, tear us apart, keep us preoccupied, have us do one investigation after another, allow us to um, elect criminals like the Biden crime family into power. None of that is good for America. All to avoid a guy like Trump who doesn't believe in globalism or to avoid a guy like Robert Kennedy Jr. who doesn't believe in globalism and get a guy like Mitt Romney or Paul Ryan or Ron DeSantis, a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will, a John McCain or a George Bush. Everybody thought these were the conservatives. It turns out now, 20 years later, we know now what a fraud all that was. Michael Steele, the guy that used to run the RNC, Ronald McDaniel. We know what a rhino these people are. The McRhinos, McDonald and McCarthy. We know that we've been duped and fooled, but they're so deeply rooted in the halls of Congress, we can't get rid of these roots. It's going to take a lot of Roundup weed eater. Oh, and it turns out that Bill Gates owns a big stake in Roundup, formaldehydes and things like that. So anyway, this woman that's running BlackRock, I mean, running uh, Twitter now, World Economic Forum and BlackRock are dominant shareholders in global corporate partners, a.k.a. multinational corporations. They control the lion's share of ad dollars available to mainstream media, media, corporate media, who themselves are owned and controlled by World Economic Forum and BlackRock. It's in, in Vanguard and State Street. It's one big happy cabal and it is a cabal so that's what we have going on here all right we're going to get to some solutions and things like that in a moment so this judge uh that we're going to deal with today is also a radical lefty uh other news before we get to the uh heart and meat and soul of our show um the u.s credit rating has been downgraded yesterday by Fitch, Fitch, uh, Fitch downgraded the U.S. under the Biden regime from AAA to AA plus. An erosion of governance is what they cited. This is not going to be a good look for Biden and his team. This really has the potential to put a really strong dent in their message that the economy is doing much better now than it was two years ago. Let's take a listen. Because it is our top story, Fitch downgrading the U.S. rating, uh, citing what they're calling an erosion of governance. Emily Wilkins joins us now with more. Good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. Yes, well, some shocking news yesterday, at least for some of those in the Biden administration, seeing that downgrade in the U.S. credit rating from a triple A to AA plus. This is only the second time that the U.S. credit rating has been downgraded like this. And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is quickly defending the Biden administration, saying that the data that Fitch is using uh, was outdated data. Uh, She called the numbers arbitrary. And it's not only Yellen who is really pushing back against 
these numbers. Other Democrats are also pointing the finger at former President Donald Trump and Republicans, saying that they are the ones to blame. Uh, take a look at the statement from Richie Neal, top Democrat. Well, that's CNBC, but you get the idea. Now, the housing market is interesting. The housing markets, the commercial real estate market's crashing. But the housing market in general, what you have, the reason why prices haven't dropped on housing is because nobody wants to sell their house because they all got in when the interest rates were at 3%. And now they're at 7 So nobody's going to sell their house to be subjected to the 7%. They're going to ride out the, the uh, because they got a fixed rate on the 3%. So they're going to stay in their house. And this is going to probably play out for, you know, generally speaking, five to seven years where people are going to be stayed locked in, almost a prisoner to their home because of the fixed rate, because interest rates doesn't, they don't look like they're going to go any lower. They just raised the rate a quarter of a percent last week because they the inflation is so stubborn, in part because of the COVID lockdown restrictions and then the bubble burst and people were allowed to go and spend and go out. That was a big part of it. But it was also the government spending under the Biden regime that did a number on inflation. Injecting cash, even in the Ukraine war, is having a negative impact on uh, inflation. Because anytime you print money and liquidate money into a market without changing the supply, you're always going to increase demand and r- cause prices to rise. And so right now, um, people aren't making new, building new properties because of the interest rates. People aren't selling their homes. And for the first time uh, in a long time, if, if not ever, but I think it's the first time in a long time, uh, existing houses have increased above new housing. Because um, there's such a short supply of people selling their homes because they're locked into that fixed rate. So there's an inter- it's an interesting dynamic when you look at the chart. For the first time in a long time, a long, long time, existing property uh, homeowners, their prices are crossing the Rubicon in a sense of what a new home would cost. Because the only uh, available, there's going to be a more availability of new homes, construction that was already in the pipeline, that's coming onto market. No one wants to buy them at seven percent. So the only benefactors are going to be the people that pay cash for the whole house, and and avoid paying any interest rates at all. And so those are going to be the benefactors of that. So the people with money will benefit. The people without, or the people that are struggling, are going to be hurt. By, by the whole thing. So that's kind of an interesting uh, little news story right there. All right, we're going to get to this uh, here. This Let's check this out. This is another Fox and Fritz. By the way, I, I thought it was going to be August 20th that my cable came back online because I put a pause until college football season, as I had mentioned. And then I realized I just got charged for the unpause. I guess it was August, not August 20th. So... Um, uh, that's why I have the Fox and Friends now uh, clips audio, but in any case, just full disclosure, uh, I still am suffer. You know, still 
uh, upset about the Tucker firing, and I'm still. But you know, I did my boycott pretty well. Uh, I made a, at least a di- little bit of a difference. All right, so let's take a listen to this. We just have to demonstrate. Oh. Okay, so this is Joe Biden. All right, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. This is almost like him saying the 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 uh, secret part out loud about what's happening to Donald Trump right now. Okay, he said this back November 9th, twenty twenty two, in the White House. November 9th, twenty twenty two. This is what he said about Trump not being president. He will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he. Uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. Really? Was he saying the quiet part out loud? I mean, really? That's insane that he would say that, right? And then all this is happening. It reminds me of when Chuck Schumer said the uh, the you know the CIA and the intelligence community has six ways till Sunday to getting back at you if you rub them the wrong way. What kind of banana republic are we running here in this government? I say fire the hell out of all of them. Just fire them all if they're going to behave like that. Free speech in this country is going to stand. First Amendment means something. But these little joker liberals, they're so biased and so intolerant of an opposing view. It's impossible to even comprehend how sick and demented they are in the head. And, you know, the thing is, is that it's really hurt uh, crime. You know, uh, people aren't cooperating with the police because the police uh, are either defunded or the FBI has gone rogue and woke. If the FBI calls me and asks for my support on something, I'm not going to help them at all. I'm going to treat them like a Gestapo police force and the enemy of the people at this point. The CIA, the State Department... All of that. I mean, I look at them as adversarial. They're the ones ramming COVID and and climate down your throat. They're the ones advancing CBDCs and joining these pacts and treaties and compacts. It's ruining our existence. Uh, and this is global. It's not just America that we're that, who's suffering. All right. So listen to this. This uh, guy. I'm going to give you his name in, in a second. Um, we've heard a couple of clips from him. He's been speaking a lot. He used to be a clerk for uh, Gorsuch. Let's take a listen. Well, President Biden told his Attorney General Merrick Garland to jump, and Merrick Garland said how high. And we he has brought this unprecedented lawfare against President Trump. They uh, Garland sent Matthew. All right. So just so you know, it's Mike Davis, former Supreme Court clerk to Gorsuch. All right, so let's take a listen. Colangelo to join New York attorney, uh, New York uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office to bring an unprecedented indictment against Trump for the non-crime of settling a nuisance claim. And then Garland had Jack Smith indict President Trump for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act. Now Merrick Garland has Jack Smith indicting Trump for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election. And uh, it's only a crime to object 
to presidential elections and third world Marxist hellholes. Democrats objected to Republican wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. And so now this case, uh, this current case is before a uh, an Obama judge and a uh, in D.C. with a 95 percent Democrat D.C. jury pool that's 99 percent Trump deranged. There's no question he'll be found guilty and convicted in D.C. and the Supreme Court will have to overturn this conviction conviction because it clearly violates the First Amendment. It's lawless lawfare by uh, Jack Smith and Merrick Garland. And, and Mike, this is a non-legal uh, phrase. But the case is not done. The indictment's not finished. Just like the Mar-a-Lago case, they came in and added five more counts. Many people are pointing out that he kept a lot in his quiver. So at another time, he can call another press conference and add additional charges and again steal the news cycle. As you look at what has happened on the other side with the president, his son, and possible linkage, Washington Post also calling uh, the president out today about blatant lies about his uh, knowing and possible links to uh, his son's business dealings. Every time something happens on the president, in comes something on the former president. Do you believe in uh, charges will be added to the 45 we already had with the 45 page indictment we've already read? Yeah, I think that Jack Smith will supersede this indictment at some point, maybe add seditious conspiracy, maybe uh, actually name these six alleged co-conspirators. I think Fulton County DA down in Georgia, Fannie Willis, another Democrat's going to indict Trump for the non-crime again of objecting to a presidential election. This is all out lawfare against President Trump because Democrats fear that they're not going to be able to stop him in no- on November 5th. 2024. And just back to the original premise of the soundbite that he said uh, in 2022, where we have to do everything constitutionally to stop him from becoming president again. Is that what's happening here? That is absolutely what's happening here. It's being driven by President Biden and Attorney General Merrick Garland. And this is why House Republicans must move forward immediately with impeachment. President Biden is clearly corrupt. He's clearly compromised as the President of the United States. And Attorney General Merrick Garland is clearly covering up for his boss. Right. And as these two legal cases happen, the American people's interest and the country's needs do not get addressed, sadly. And I think we both agree on that. Uh, Mike Davis, thanks so much. All right. So, you know, impeachment has to be the the step. Uh, What is Jim Jordan doing in his weaponization of government committee? Something has to be done. And Matt Gates came on, uh, you know, basically uh, came, made a statement. He said he needs to demand that Jack Smith present himself before the House Judiciary Committee for a transcribed interview in the next 15 days. If he, if not, he does not do that. If he doesn't do that, we should send a subpoena. If he ignores the subpoena, we should hold him in criminal contempt of Congress so that he is the first prosecutor in American history to be prosecuting a case while himself under criminal contempt. If Attorney General Merrick Garland doesn't enforce that criminal contempt, then we ought to impeach him. And you can impeach Merrick Garland, uh, Mayorkas. You know, Biden is working with these people that have all done favors for him in the past. And Mayorkas is opening the border. Uh, Anthony Blinken is covering up all this corruption and financing and laundering cash through Ukraine. And you have Merrick Garland going after a, a former president and presidential candidate. 
I mean, this is a total weaponization of government, complete. The question isn't what Joe Biden's doing. We already have observed that. The real question is, what is what will House Republicans do? And, Carl, I want to discuss that first. House Republicans should immediately demand that Jack Smith present himself for a transcribed interview before the Judiciary Committee in the next 15 days. If he does not do that, we should send a subpoena. If he ignores the subpoena, we should hold him in criminal contempt of the Congress so that he is the first prosecutor in American history to be prosecuting a case while himself under criminal contempt. And if Merrick Garland doesn't enforce that criminal contempt, then we ought to impeach Merrick Garland. And by the way, while we're doing all of that, to showcase how political and indeed dirty this has all become, we can utilize congressional immunities to immunize President Mm -hmm. Trump. 18 U.S.C. 6002 subpart 3 gives any committee or subcommittee of the Congress the ability to subpoena a witness, bring them in, and functionally immunize them. And if we are not going to stand up for Congress's equities when it comes to election interference, when it comes to misuse of the DOJ, this is all an effort to try to distract us from the very real crimes committed by Hunter and Joe Biden. It's not a coincidence that Joe Biden is going to the beach now, but it is especially not a coincidence that on the heels of their former business partner, Devin Archer, saying that Joe Biden was functionally the closer, the guy that gave the credibility to the Biden brand for them to engage in international influence peddling, that just on the heels of that, now this indictment, reads like a torturing of First Amendment protected activity. If you don't like the way they run elections, if you want a better way, if you want to offer a constitutionally contemplated objection, they want to make a criminal of you. That's a dangerous thing for the country. And if the House Judiciary Committee and House Republicans won't stand up for Mm -hmm. our republic, then what is the point of having us there anyway? I know. Well, you know, there was recently some commentary on CNN, of all places, which is just the absolute worst. Um, Check out what this one person said comparing the indictment of President Trump to this. Take a look. I told him how proud I felt uh, to be an American at that moment, Uh, much in the way that I did uh, when I learned that uh, our military had killed Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden was a terrorist who committed a horrific act against American people uh, and against our republic. And I believe that Donald Trump is a terrorist who committed horrific acts against the American people. I wonder what he liked or hated the most about Trump. Was it the no wars, low gas prices, lower tax? What was it? Yeah, I mean, it's a sick comparison to suggest that sending planes through buildings to kill thousands of our fellow Americans, destroy our economy, and send our our military into great uh, consternation over the attack on the Pentagon, that that is somehow analogous to saying that we ought to have an objection and have people peacefully and patriotically protesting. I mean, there were people who had permits outside the Capitol for a peaceful uh, demonstration like we see, frankly, many days at the Capitol. And the mm-hmm. fact that barriers were taken down and it was a confusing riot-like situation is obviously not something to celebrate, but it's also not something that, that puts any criminal culpability on President Trump. We don't need Jack Smith to tell us what happened on January 6th. <laughs> we watched President Trump say that people should be peaceful and patriotic and have their voice. Right, absolutely. That We know what he did, and he, he did right by that. Um, all right, so uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed uh, Devin Archer. I'm going to go ahead and play this part of it anyway. Let's take a listen. So you worked with Hunter Biden in a bunch of different businesses. Um, 
What were the skill, the specific skills that he brought to clients? Well, at the end of the day, he, you know, he had a career in Washington. Yeah. Uh, graduated Yale Law School and had a very big network in in D.C. and brought that know-how and understanding of D.C. and ultimately the Biden brand. The know-how. So, as far as I could tell, he wasn't doing legal work. I Correct. Mean, he wasn't in the counsel's office at Burisma, right? No. No. So the the network and the Biden brand sounds like the. The kind of key component of absolutely what yeah. he was bringing. Yep. Um, do you think that he would have been in those businesses, not having a business background, without his father being in a government position? It's hard to speculate in in those regards. I mean, yeah. I think when we initially met and uh, and he talked about his advisory business, his business that needed to transition from lobbying to advisory and the interest in private equity, it seemed. Uh, you know, it seems like a new and interesting network for us to expand our business. Um, whether he could have, you know, been in that position, it's it's hard for me to speculate. Right. But obviously, the brand of Biden, you know, adds a lot of power when your dad's vice president. For sure. And there was a time maybe 10 years ago when private equity, maybe like AI now, was just one of those terms people throwing out. I'm in private equity. Right. But the mechanics, having done it, coming right. from a business background yourself, are kind of complex. Are Absolutely. They not? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a complex business. Um, takes years of training. But again, the initial idea around the business, they were going to provide you know, the government insight and an additional network to raise capital and then you know, deal with regulatory issues that you might have at the corporate level. Right. Regulatory issues. Exactly. Okay. So that would be more his area. Right. That would be his space. Right. But did he have a, a sophisticated understanding of regulation, do you think? Um, I think that he led a team that had had a had a sophisticated. Okay, <laughs> 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 because <laughs> I lived in Washington a long time around a lot of regulation. Also, a very complex area. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's the, you know you got to be an expert in knowing the guy, and he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yeah. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yeah. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. That's well, great. no, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, Washington's not a money town. Right. You know, people don't, aren't in business in Washington for the right. most part. And most people don't have business skills that I've noticed in 30 years of living there. Um, so really the business of Washington is is selling access. That's what it looked like to me. Yes. Not just Hunter Biden, but like, yeah, no, that's I think that's, do. I mean, I think that's the, one of the like core misconceptions. I mean, it seems like when I, you know, understanding a regulatory environment means selling access at the end of the day. That, yeah. That's how I interpret it. And I think that's how most people on, you know, in Wall Street, whether they admit it or not, interpret it. Yeah. So we're going to, we've got a complex business that intersects with government. We need a guy who knows it. Right. How do I, you know, deal with getting a guy a visa that needs to come over for a business deal? Right. Call our lobbyist that knows the guy in DHS or used to work in DHS or, you know, in Customs and Border Patrol or the people at the embassy and state. They, they might be able to help. So there are very, like, tactical elements that are regulatory and compliance and governance that you have to go through. And you got to know the guy that right. worked at the old agency that now has a lobbying firm that can go back to the agency and you know, get get things put to the front of the line. So the reason I'm asking this is because it's not to give the Bidens a pass, right. hardly. But when people say, well, there's some question about whether Hunter was trading on his father's name. If you live in Washington, like that's the whole city right there. Right. I think you you know the answer to that. At the end of the day, right. so he had the best advantage to do that because of where he was. And 
you know, we thought that when we went into business, this was a great opportunity for us. So I get it. <laughs> and you're not the only one who did that. Right. There were a and lot of lot Hunter of Biden's not the only son of a famous government official who's right. done this, right? At all. But I just wonder, like, when you hear people say, well, it's kind of an open question. Right. About why they hired Hunter Biden. Like, that's pretty disingenuous, no? Right. I think at the end of it, so when you look at the whole, there, there are people that maybe were, you know, sons or relatives or brother-in-laws of other high-ranking officials. But I think what we ran into and with what Hunter ran into was like almost like an Icarus issue. So he got a little, it was too close to the sun. It was too right. good to be true. And the connections were, were too close and the scrutiny too much. Yes. And it ended up destroying, you know, he, it left a wake of a lot of, dis, you know, a lot of destruction in business over a number of years. You know. So how many, um, it's been reported and you have said that there were occasions when uh, Joe Biden would call in with clients present on a speakerphone. Right. How, how many times do you think that happened? I mean, over a 10-year partnership, I would, uh, you know, the number I'm going with is 20. That's probably the, the, the amount that I so kind of record. Yeah, a lot. So Joe Biden, who's very much a product of Washington, of course, must have known that he was calling in to effectively a business meeting that his son was having. I mean, he must have understood that 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 was kind of what his son was selling. Well, that's I mean, that's hard for me to speculate on that. (laughs) But like, yeah, it's a laughing matter. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not going to play the whole clip. Uh, It was pretty benign. But what was interesting and the reason why I wanted to share it with you a little bit was I wanted you to hear his voice and his demeanor, Devin Archer, because he's a little bit of a mystery. So I wanted to, just that impact alone, I wanted to share. Secondly, I wanted to also drive home the idea that a lot of these people know each other, you know, and selling access and information is common in D.C. And from what I understand, Tucker was neighbors with Hunter Biden and friends with a lot of his friends and things like that. They hung out. So it was, you know, and not only that, but the rumor is, uh, I think Tucker asked Hunter Biden for a favor to get his daughter into Georgetown or something like that. All right. All that aside, I don't think anybody's really complaining. See, the mainstream, here's my takeaway. The mainstream media is basically suggesting Hunter's a private citizen, and they're sort of suggesting, they're sort of putting uh, putting our argument into, our conservative argument, into a pigeonhole or into a corner or into a box, and they're isolating it there, and they're saying it's benign. But frankly, that's never been my complaint. I could care less whether or not Hunter Biden uses his last name to gain power and influence but when it's it's when you fire it's when you use my money like your money the a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars to fire victor shokin uh to get rid of uh the threat and to guarantee and and then also execute policy like whether like the climate initiative freeport mcmorin the arizona-based mining company Invested Chinese money. Biden uh, got the money, got the green light in the Congo, had the unfair advantage. And that's that's bad in and of itself. It's sort of like when a congressman um, deems a plot of land in uh, Florida uh, swampland and then buys up 
a thousand acres of that land, then decides after he buys it, it's no longer swamp land, and we're going to put a, a highway through it and build a ho- bunch of hotels and a, and and a and a Universal Studios. It's going to increase their value like four hundred thousand zillion percent. So, you know, it's that kind of shenanigans that's fraud, and all these different um, ways that they made money off the taxpayer dollars. By selling out America policy, by joining an accord here or a pact there, um, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline to, you know, ensure their green investments are going to succeed, you know, those are things that are just completely unfair. To tell you to wear a mask because they have investments in pharmaceutical companies, to tell you that you have to take the vaccine, you have to buy their product, or you can't leave your home. And then exploit that to get paid off by the drug cartels and the human trafficking cartels um, by way of the corporate uh, investors that are going to benefit from the slave labor coming through the open borders or from the Paris Agreement and to get your, your coffers lined with campaign donations. Those are the types of fraud that have to be abolished. They have to be addressed. And so... It's not about what Hunter does. Nobody gives a crap what Hunter does. But Hunter was given 50% of all of his money. He has that on record. And 10% of the big guy was just a fraction of one deal. But he also said in another email that 50% of everything he earned, he gave to his father. He said that in an email. That email is true. So every business that he got, 50% of it went to the big guy. And in ways uh, that you can't even imagine. Buying office supplies, uh, buying houses, all kinds of ways to launder offshore accounts. The whole thing. I'm going to end with the show today with a good news story. There is a new cancer hope as a pill annihilates all solid tumors. Thanks to this little girl, this little girl um, named Anna. And it's AOH 1966. All right. So um, it's kind of an interesting story. And uh, this girl, Anna Olivia Healy from Indiana in 1996. So this AOH 1996 has some really great and promising preclinical research associated with it. Well, that brings us, uh, so look into that story. It's over at New York Post. I would encourage anybody that's concerned about that to check out that story. AOH 1996, new cancer treatment. All right. Be sure to check out magapac.org. Make a donation if you can to help us advance America First policies to make America great again. Also, use Red State over at MyPillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.